carbonly conversation. Quick question. Is this the podcast? Are we doing the podcast right now? Hello, Carbonly listeners. Welcome to another episode of Carbonly Conversations with Shane and Chad. How are, how are you today, Chad? I'm doing pretty good. It's bright and sunny. It's not, I mean, it's very holiday-ish outside. Yeah. But the weather is mid-50s. I'm loving it. Yeah. It's not looking like we'll have a white Christmas this year, that's for sure. But no, I'm, not, I'm not too mad at it. I'm not too mad at it either. On a totally random fun fact. Um, Austin, Texas has never had, has never had a white Christmas. It's never snowed on Christmas in Austin, Texas. It's just something I randomly read the other day since they've been tracking weather. Wow. For those of you that have had white Christmases, think about all the States that you could live in where you haven't. Yeah, that's true. It's not at all what the episode's about, but totally (laughs) off a tangent. Yeah. Some holiday (laughs) ties to it, but, but before we get into the episode, um, as always, just want to remind everyone that, you know, Carbonly Conversations is a, is a podcast where we examine the intersection of community, lifestyles, and consumption in our lives. Um, we've created this in a hope to share our stories and curiosity to motivate actions and lessen our, our own carbon footprints. Um, and also use our platform to create a space for our listeners, community members to share their Carbonly journeys as well. And um, we appreciate the support. If, if you, um, want to listen to more episodes of this podcast. Um, we've made it pretty easy. All you need to do is scroll down to the show notes and um, click on find and join the conversation. And that'll give you a link to access all of our episodes in your favorite podcast app. Um, so you can pretty much listen to us on most of the major apps. Um, and we're on social Indeed. media. Check us out on Instagram, TikTok, X, and then also YouTube. We try to post most of the episodes on YouTube. Um, so you can just go to YouTube and search Carbonly Conversations and, um, you know, like, join, subscribe. Any any support is appreciated. Um, but we've got a, got a good one for you today. This episode is titled Clink, Drink, and Rethink, a Sustainable... A sustainable wine journey. So it's the holiday season. You know, we know wine is a lot of people's favorite um, drink of the of the season. You know, there's going to be a lot of wine drink within the next week or two, especially with New Year's. Um, so yeah, we just wanted to kind of touch on what the what the effects could be of, of wine bottles. What do you do with the wine bottles when you're done? What are some different options? Things like that. So I know you're, you're, I guess, more of a wine drinker than I am, Chad. Is, is there any, any uh, type of wine you want to recommend for our listeners? Oh, um, so <laughs> that's a funny statement when you start thinking about wine. And here's why. Usually the experience, the place, the people that you're with really drives the type of wine. Right. Mm. And what I mean like that, you could have two buck chuck or some Boone's farm and have 
your best friends, a bonfire on the beach, and that's going to taste like the best wine ever. So I'd recommend drinking, you know, whatever whatever's there versus like I'm having this sit down dinner and we're really looking to pair our, our meal with some like really great tasting wines. Um, and there's definitely ways to do that too. So I, I'm in the big, I'm a big fan of the spectrum. Like they're like, I do have a favorite grape that I love to drink, which is a Grenache. But I think for our listeners out there, be curious, uh, ask a lot of questions because you start to unpack like all the work and effort and, I mean, in the end, for me, it's like winemakers, vineyards, and uh, really just farmers. And instead of yeah. producing cheese, pork chops, you know, eggs, you pick your favorite dairy, you know, or farm product. They're they're they're, ma- they're making wine, and mm-hmm. most of them have a story to tell. If they're not this large, like commercially produced, like eight gazillion bottles a year production. So they have a story to tell and a, a family to to, yeah. to tell you about and how they got there, which is, I think that the best way to enjoy wine is with a story and some friends. So there you go. Long winded. Clearly, I have some passion there. I'll, I'll let it dissipate because you've been doing the research on these wine, yeah. and, and I'm, and then we're going to get into the numbers. But I'm, I've been thinking about it so much lately because like sustainable, biodynamic, um, regenerative, like wine growing and making practices are not Mm -hmm. just a hot topic, you know, like sustainability is a hot topic everywhere, but in the wine industry as well. But I never stopped to think and parse like which part of all the production, you know, all the steps in the, the, the carbon trail does actually have the biggest impact. So you, you yep. surprised me on this one, Shane, and I'm, and I'm here with our listeners to to unpack and listen and learn as much. Um, so yeah. hit us. Hit we'll us, get Shane. into it. Just so, I mean, a- yeah, just not with a wine bottle, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like, like many of our other topics, um, we kind of come across random, like, uh, random articles that are really teaching us about this. So I, I came across an article. Um, there's a, about a Washington DC restaurant, uh, goes by the name of Oyster Oyster with chef Rob Rubba. Um, cool name. Great name. So they're, they're already on their carbonly journey to become more of like a zero waste, um, restaurant. So as of, as of already they're making, so they make their candles, out of filtered cooking oil from the restaurant. And then they team that with some beeswax from a local honey producer. Their menus are printed on recycled paper with pollinator wildflower seeds that you can plant in the ground. Um, the only protein that's served in their hyper-seasonal um, vegetable-centric menu is oysters, which help filter local waterways. And so now what they're trying to do is tackle wine waste. So they they go through about 100 to 120 wine bottles a week, um, which sometimes can be tricky to address when it comes to recycling. It's not as simple as just throwing them in your recycle bin. Um, so they're, they're kind of focusing on that. Um, so what they did was they actually went out and purchased a piece of equipment. I don't know the name of it, but it was about a $10,000 piece of equipment where they can now crush their their used wine bottles, and okay. they're working with a local glass uh, glass company to where they're taking that crushed glass and now they're making 
plates for the restaurant with that. So it's just a way to kind of reuse um, that crushed glass from the wine bottles. It's not quite closed loop because they would also be producing wine bottles, right? But they are reducing and reusing at a whole different level. Yep. Yep. So, and the reason, <laughs> the reason for that is uh, much of the glass that goes in the recycling bins are, are never really recycled. Um, we've kind of touched on mm -hmm. that in one of our past recycling episodes, because what happens is when the bottles or the jars made of glass, once you toss those into your curbside bins with other recyclables, they'll sometimes break, um, which then makes it hard for the um, waste company to filter those out and separate them out. And then also they become contaminated. So if you're not properly cleaning them out, um, once they break, they can contaminate the glass. And then basically that still ends up in the landfill. Got it. Yeah, like so, in essence, because glass isn't, I mean, hence every time you receive something in glass that's shipped to you, it's packaged so it doesn't break, right? Yep. And when you throw it in a recycling bin or the trash heap or anywhere after consumption or consuming whatever's in it, you don't really package it up for safe transport. Exactly. Exactly. You're just tossing it in mm -hmm. there. So, um, so what happens with, so the crushing process, what that does is that produces a fine non-abrasive sand. Um, and then there's also some coarse pieces in there. And then what they do is they take that sand, they put it into a clay mold, which is in the shape of a, of a plate. And then they fire that in the kiln. Um, so that's how they end up with their plates. Um, right now they're, they're at about 50 plates that they're, you know, happy with that they're using. Okay. Um, so 50, 50 total or 50 types? 50 total. Okay. So it's, it, like I said, it's still something new. Um, and they're using about 90% of their bottles to make the plates. Um, so it's Got still, it. there's still some, some things to figure out with this whole process. Cause of course you can't just, they don't need a million plates. So it's like, eventually they'll have to find other, I guess, products or just things to do with the bottles. But at least this is a start um, for them to do that. And then they're also just working. They hope to do a larger version because right now they're smaller dishes that they serve um, like a small plate of vegetables or and things like that on. I mean, and which is kind of like, I mean, I've been to several restaurants, right? And imagine sitting down and having the server or the greeter talk to you about where the dishes, your food is being served on you, was bottles of wine that the, they previously <laughs> used last year. Yeah. The flattened, uh, like yeah. the flattened. Yeah. I've seen those too, where people use the, those, which. Well, yeah. Yeah. Like hey. I've seen where you heat them up, but like the way they're doing this, they're actually taking the glass down and then refiring okay. it into plates. Like, so you all get like, you get your oysters. Let's say you got Oyster Rockefeller coming. If this was me, right? If I'm out in front of this restaurant, and I'd be like, well, let me tell you about where the oysters come from and how tasty they are and what they're going to taste. Here's how it paired with. And this is our 2019 wine vintage plate, meaning mm -hmm. 2019, all the Merlot and, you know, I don't know, Pinot Grigio that we sold has now become this serving ware for our Oyster Rockefellers. Like, imagine the. Go. Yeah. You know, just. 
I mean, I would look at him like, you're crazy. Like, what's going on? Like, you yep. mean, you know? So, very interesting. It's almost like, yep. can you go? It's like, we, we deconstructed the restaurant, the building that was in here, took all the metal, melted it down, and made our silverware, flatware <laughs> exactly. with it. You know? Like, I mean, just, it would be, it would make for a cool story and it would make me uh-huh. personally want to support that place even more. So, uh huh. Um, I think, I think so. Might be a little too expensive to do that, but it'd also be yeah. cool as hell if you're using local businesses that are already in that, um, trade, right? Right. Like that forging trade. And right. they're doing this themselves, but yeah. So, after, you know, after reading about what Oyster Oyster was doing, of course, I wanted to dig in even, we wanted to dig in even more to see like, okay, what, what are some of the, what's the carbon footprint of wine production? Like what are uh-huh. some more facts that we can kind of look into? And um, we'll have Chad, Chad share some scary, but some facts that I will hope, hopefully, you know, make us change some of our ways, but you know. I mean, at least think about it differently. Number one and number two, like how do we make sure we get the wine bottles we purchase and consume in in kept intact all the way to right. the recycling facility? Like just for the little bit that like I'm starting to gavel down on this, like that makes a lot of sense. Okay. And this is what I was alluding to earlier, is like we did some research and sharing out here from um it's actually the California Sustainable Wine Growing Alliance. Um, a lot of this data is coming from. Um, and for those that don't know a lot about wine, like California is a major region in North America and the United States that produces tons and tons of wine. Um, so they also have all these um, certificates, programs, research, you know, just like you have a Department of Agriculture for your states, like they literally have like a Department of Wine Growing um, because yeah. it's such an important asset to the state. So they've done a lot of research on what makes it sustainable or not. And on that lane is like, so in their research, they're sharing that wine bottles are responsible for 50 to 70% of the carbon emissions of most wineries. Meaning like if you total up all the carbon output from growing your crops, harvesting your crops, producing the crops into wine, storing it, having tastings, all the people Mm -hmm. coming and going, your workers driving, the power you have. And when you total that all up, once you start to buy the bottles, fill them up, label them, and put them out into the universe for people to consume, buy, yeah. um, purchase, store, um, that's where half or more of their carbon footprint of carbon dioxide comes from. Which, if you would ask me to guess what that number was, probably I would have not said that large. I would, right. You know, hence, I think we – you. At least for myself, but like our carbon light journey, I think I think we have to go and dig a little bit deeper in glass, like glass recycling yep. and glass production, and and I mean we just talked about it recently on no sleep till zero waste, zero waste. Oh no! Like I don't know what you should, <laughs> but every time I like have that noise in my head, Beastie um, Boys. Yeah, the pre-cycle store where you can either buy food already packaged in glass containers that you can return and get a dollar. You can bring your containers, they'll mm-hmm. clean weigh, and then you can fill them. And then you just get paid for the, the amount of food that you need to buy in bulk. Um, glass is really useful, but it also comes at a cost. And so I think that was one of our arguments that we made 
Um, and in one of those past conversations is that the more you get to reuse it, the more value or the like right. the lower its carbon footprint or the lower the impact has on the environment. So anyways, kind of going around about a way of like, I'm shocked, literally shocked. Um, and I'm really excited about knowing this. Okay. So wine bottles are made from a type of glass known as soda lime. This is the most common type of glass, and it can be recycled over and over and over again without <laughs> losing its quality. Kind of like um, tin cans and specifically aluminum cans, like you could recycle yeah. aluminum forever. Um, so that's interesting and good to know. Um, in fact, most recycling plants prefer soda lime glass because it's so easy to recycle. The EPA weighs in here that only 30% of this glass in the United States is recycled compared to 74% in Europe. And more than 95% in Sweden, Belgium, yep. and Slovenia. And for those that have been like paying attention in the last few episodes, Sweden's yep. got it pretty they got their recycling game on on par, yeah. like with the the punamic tubes. Just yeah. They're and it they're crushing the rest away. of the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're out. They're like, just build tubes everywhere. Get your garbage where it needs to go, simple and easy. I mean, wasn't the line in the videos like They've ran out of things to recycle, so they actually import yeah. other countries' trash yeah. to yeah. recycle. Crazy. Yeah. Imagine in America that that's something we did. Like, I, th I think a third of America would be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, we're doing what? Why do we want that? Like, I don't think it, just it's not in our culture to comprehend that. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Okay. So, and they go on, the EPA does, it's actually worse than 31%. As much of that glass is crushed and used to build roads rather than meltdown for new <laughs> glass. So our addiction to the automobile. <laughs> oh, like exactly. I guess our wine drinking habits are feeding our addiction to roads. <laughs> I mean, well, we need roads. roads I, I never knew glass was even part of that process. but I mean, we are just getting our minds blown here yeah. about clink, drink, and rethink our sustainable wine journey. So here's the fun fact. Glass made from recycled materials produce 50% less water pollution and 20% less air pollution. So a big major incentive to recycle. And yep. if anyone remembers the 2020 and 2021, the pandemic, the supply chain issues, and if you were an avid wine drinker or visitor of wine shops or wineries, they all told you trying to get glass bottles was really, really hard. So it sounds like, A, I'm just thinking out loud, Shane, you give me your reaction here. I think there's leverage for a business to be started. Maybe not by us, but by maybe one of our listeners. There's a lot of wine being drank. Yeah. Just put it out there. A lot of glass bottles with wine in, in our communities. What if there was a collection of just the glass from wine and like, or it comes back to your wine shop and you get pick it up there and all of a sudden all that wine's getting wine bottles are being then managed without being broke or broken to the same thing. So it's not like mm -hmm. um, mixed and match. And then you're producing new wine bottles for the wine growing industry in your area in in the United yeah. States. It would have I mean, to be hyper local because the when you get into shipping. shipping it to certain areas, then you you have to the packaging and you know the the. But uh, what if you could like 
program that out. Like, here's the tools you need. Here's the amount of square footage you yeah. need. Here's the, like the collection system you need. And here's how many wineries are in a hundred miles of you or 250 miles of you. Yep. And like, then you started like planting these using just really clear, like, um, geography date, like, you know, business data, geography data, and like building this program out. And yeah, then, cause I, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of glass readily available and then we can mm -hmm. tap into the, to the, the wine growing industry on a carbon lake scale. Yeah. Cause they even, in, in one of the, when I was doing the research, you know, one of the recommendations was like, you could take your old glass wine bottles and maybe start purchasing wine in bulk. Um, I maybe, I, I guess, like I said, I'm not much of a wine drinker, but I guess there's places where you can purchase the wine in almost like a keg or something like that to where it's, you're getting more in the packaging and then just basically fill those old bottles back up and cork them. Um, oh, like reusing them. Yeah. 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 Or if, or if you make like wine at home, of course you have those bottles to use. Um, but there's a lot of things to it. And then especially um, there's a New York times article, which the link will be in the, in the bio of this episode, if anyone's interested. So a lot of it's with perception. So historically, of course, wine has been bottled in glass bottles because that's typically because the, the wine will sit and age because a, a aged wine is even more um, tastier. But it can be not all on average. Yes. Most wines in the world are consumed within a year of purchase. So there's really no need of that glass bottle. Um, but still producers are using the glass bottles because it's a lot about perception. The consumer perceives the glass as a, as a higher quality or more prestigious drink compared mm -hmm. to the, the bag in the box um, is compared to like poor people's wine, you know? So, yes, you, there's definitely a myth, a perception that if it's not in a bottle, it's crappier wine. It's yeah. Not always true. It can be. Um, but I, I hear you. So there's all kinds of things like that. So, I mean, we, we, uh, we recommend everyone out there listening to, I guess, start, if you're a wine drinker, start your own journey and maybe see where, where you're able to help with this issue. Um, but we'll, we'll leave it off with, we want to just give some tips on how to properly recycle your wine bottles at home. Um, so the first thing you, the first thing you want to do is just check with your local recycling program to make sure that the wine bottles are even accepted. Um, mm -hmm. I think most programs do accept them, but that's the best step to start with because then you're just basically wasting your time and, and it's going to end up in the landfill anyway. Uh -huh. Um, and if they do accept them, you know, rinse them out as best as you can. And then that helps with the contamination, um, and then also try to remove the labels. Um, so by removing the labels, that will help the recycling plant identify the materials better um, to where they can properly um, do do their job with them. And then, like I said, rinsing them out helps prevent contamination um, and having it end up in the landfill anyway. And let's say your local um, your local uh, place doesn't doesn't allow wine bottles. 
there's some there's a couple fun things that you can do with wine bottles with old wine bottles um you know go get a special glass drill bit or anything like that that'll help you cut glass so you can make candle holders um without cutting anything you can use them as a vase uh-huh. fill them up with water stick a flower or stick a uh, plant cutting in there and use it use it for a vase um i saw some things online where people take the bottles and create bird feeders out of them and the other way for me that i probably would see myself doing using them would be using them for storage so some people will take their favorite herbs and spices fill those up cork them and kind of save their herbs and spices that way um, but there's plenty of things you can do Plenty of things you can do with them, um, especially now that you know the uh, the effect that that they can have um, on your carbon footprint. If you're, if you're in the Washington D.C. area, go check out Oyster Oyster. Tell them that uh, Carbonly Carbonly sent you, and let them know yeah. that you know you you heard about them from our podcast, and um, you know enjoy what they're doing. So, well, but, have a carbonly rest of your day, Shane and our fellow listeners. Yep, till next time.